This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. I think I might just rank because I'm not sure. Yeah. Three to five years from now, when you don't sell that house and make $100,000 in equity, you're going to be really sad that you're leaving a rental location and you're just going to get maybe a security deposit back. Yeah. Yeah. And if maybe. Prior to that two-year mark, you could potentially pay capital gains if your, you know, market if your equity goes up that much. But I will say though, it, it is one thing. A, a girlfriend of mine and I we had a whole conversation yesterday um, that a lot of people are not, like when interest rates are that low. I felt like in the last couple of years, I saw a lot of people buy houses that were not within their means, right? Like. You, you're like, oh, well, it's 2%. I can buy a $500,000 house because I'm only paying 2% on this. When really, you should probably have been buying a $300,000 house just to stay within your like spending means, right? And I think that that was, the higher the interest rates go, I think that's really giving people pause to think like, should I be spending? Marriott's on the move. What? Marriott's on the move. Again? Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the move. If you're dreaming about moving to a new city to pursue the life of your dreams, this podcast is for you. Moving 18 times in 23 years to five of America's top cities, I know it's not easy to make those decisions alone. I help you develop the dream, the plan, and the move, even if we need to get scrappy to get you there. I'll be doing interviews, career and city spotlights, and sharing my crazy moving stories, tips, tricks, and scams to avoid. Traveling to explore your dreams has never been easier. Now let's get moving. All right. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Today we have a really interesting conversation going. This is the first time I've had three people total. So we'll see how this goes from a video and recording perspective. But I'm super excited to welcome back Laura Sinclair. Laura is a real estate agent in South Carolina. She Mm -hmm. uh, is also like a concierge. So she helps new movers uh find real estate agents across the country which i love and we're going to talk a little bit about that and then we have jeremy moyer so jeremy is a mortgage lender out of south carolina as well so we're going to talk a little bit about how the rates have climbed over the course of the past year and a half two years we're going to talk about you know how people are pivoting and then a little bit about my journey as well because as most people know if you've been listening to the show i'm considering moving again Um, probably something a little bit more permanent, hopefully, but I have a low interest rate. And so that's definitely a factor that I'm looking at. So we'll start by some introductions because they're going to do it better than I can do. So Laura, why don't we start with you? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Maria. You know, I love talking with you. So this is going to be really fun. Um, I'm Laura. I am a real estate agent in South Carolina, although I am um, actually transitioning more full time into my new business, which I'm very excited about. Laura makes moves um, here to be a resource for all home buyers, but I love first-time home buyers because I know there's lots of questions, um, and also people who are making big relocations, um, just to give moving tips and tricks and advice, but also help them get in touch with the right professionals um, who can guide them every step of the way. So I've been loving that. It's been about a year of transition, and I'm super thrilled to be doing it mostly full time at this point. You know what's amazing is that if you go to Laura's website, Laura's uh, LauraMakesMoves.com. Mm-hmm. She- sign up for her email list. She's got a like, gosh, it's like a 48 page checklist moving guide. I mean, I yeah, I, that thing's beefy. Beefy and amazing. <clears throat> you can use mine for the first six months prior to a move and then you can jump on hers and take that the rest of the way home. So I love yes. 
We're a good pair. I, I love being able to refer people to you because a lot of people ask me about how they know if it's time to move or how they know if it's time to buy a house. And I have some generic answers, but Marriott's the coach. She gets in your psyche and helps you understand yourself. So that's that's a gift you have. And we got to meet in person <clears throat> like for the first time ever. But we've been friends now for almost a year, a little over a year. Yeah. And uh, we got to meet in person. We had coffee the other day. We probably could have talked for three hours. Yeah, that was really fun. It was really fun. So, and then Jeremy is somebody that you've worked with uh, as a mm -hmm. real estate agent. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. You're a first timer on the show, but uh, your you. conversation is incredibly relevant right now. So, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, um, my name is Jeremy Moyer. I've had the pleasure of working with Laura a whole bunch here in South Carolina, uh, helping her get first some home buyers and homes and from different programs that are out there. You know, a lot of times people, I think, when they think about buying a home, they're just like, well, is there one option for me? Well, actually, there's lots of options when it comes to buying a home. And you got to make sure you're working with a good team from a realtor's perspective and a lender's perspective to find the right fit for you. So, yeah, I've, I've lived in South Carolina for about eight years now, right here on the Georgia border. And I'm originally from up north of Pennsylvania. And it's finally getting cold down here. Mario, I don't know if you're enjoying it. I know. I'm I'm, you're I'm not. Let's <laughs> to get away from the cold weather. And I, when funny. I like scrape ice off my windshield, uh -huh. I, I think I didn't move far enough south sometimes. It'll it'll warm up again. It never stays cold for long. It's going to be 80, 80 next week. So it could be. Oh, I guess I love it. Well, and from a mortgage perspective, you can work with anybody across the country, but they have to be buying in... South Carolina. Is that correct or am I wrong about that? Yeah. So in my position as a retail lender, I'm able to work with any home buyers who are buying in any state that I'm licensed. And I can go get licensed in multiple states. Um, right now, you know, I'm, we live on the Georgia-South Carolina border, so it makes sense for me to be licensed in both those states. Um, working on a Florida license right now because, you know, we, I do have lots of friends, colleagues, business people who want to, hey, I want to have a house in Florida. Uh, maybe someone wants a house up in North Carolina mountains. So we can, as a lender, we can be uh, licensed in multiple states. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we have had a crazy last couple of years. I mean, I think if you look back to like 2020 from the pandemic, when people were like crazy moving, like everywhere, getting, yeah, $100,000 over asking and doing all of that stuff. In the last like year ish, it has kind of been resetting. And like, I don't know if resetting is the right word, Laura. You could probably talk about it. <laughs> Stabilizing. I think that's the term stabilizing that is a great term yeah so like what what happened like why like I mean, I mean i know people could leave their house now so it's a little bit different but it was i feel like it was just more like people like realized they hated their house after having <laughs> 24 hours a day in it you know what i mean so like what let's talk about that because i know i felt that but i ended up moving to South, uh, north carolina during that time so yeah yeah, it was a huge exodus from all over the place. I think there's a whole lot of factors. I mean, the primary one, and I'm sure Jeremy can speak to this, is the low interest rates. I mean, they were historically low, not just, oh, that's nice and low. Like, they were low, low. They hit the, they hit the ground. So there was that. Um, and then coupled with COVID, people needing to make their homes work for them. Um, and then coupled with the booming of remote work that was a result of COVID meant people could keep their salary from out west or up north. They could move down south, get the weather they wanted, get the lower cost of living they wanted. Um, I mean, all these factors just collided to make this real estate storm happen. And it was a whirlwind. It was fun, but it was chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine <clears throat> from California, like they bought their house, gosh, like I think it was like 10 years ago or something. 
they they paid 1.1 million dollars which in like moraga california that is a steal all of this work to it they sold it for like 2.6 or something crazy i could be wrong on the numbers here but then they ended up buying a house that was like two or three times the size in florida for right amount right so like super crazy things happening um i know i got in i think my mortgage rate was 2.85 is what i kind of bought into uh, which I want to talk about the buying of mortgage rates as well, Jeremy, at some point. I mean, we can talk yeah. about that now a little bit. But like, I know my, I think the rate was like 3.06 or something like that. But I know that I like, I could buy down that rate and I bought it down to like 2.85 by putting a little bit more down. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. So in the lender world, um, if you're buying a home, you're going to get what should be called a loan estimate. We call it an LE. Um, and that's going to be kind of your first original document that you're going to get from your lender. It's going to show you all your costs, your fees, where, where all that money is going. Because, you know, you think about buying a house, you're like, okay, this is how much it costs to buy this house. And all of a sudden you realize, why am I paying more than what I think I should be paying? It's because of all the fees. So, you know, you have your attorney fees, closing fees. Um, when you're buying a house, you have to pay upfront insurance and and um, taxes that go into your escrow account. Yeah. You know, so because you know, your escrow account, if you're a homeowner, your escrow account is supposed to have 12 months roughly of of upfront payments in it at all times. And so you need to make, you have to fund that little nest egg prior to buying your house. And so when you look at the buy your house, yeah, there's lots of fees on your loan estimate though, it's gonna show you um, what you're paying. Now there's two terms that people wanna be looking at. One's called origination and one's called discount points. In our world, we, you know, we kind of see it, it's almost the exact same thing, but some banks, some letters will just use different terms for it. So for example, if you um, see a word called origination fees on your loan estimate, that's essentially a fee that the lender is charging to do the loan and they're gonna probably, you probably have a lower interest rate than a lender who's not showing origination costs. So for example, my company at Movement, we don't charge origination. So if a lender come, or a homebuyer comes to me and says, hey, well, why is this company, you know, uh, maybe $2,000 cheaper on my closing costs or why is my interest rate 0.25% lower? I can say, well, they're charging you an origination cost and we're not. So that's why they can give you a lower rate. What we do on our side is we say, well, we can give you what we call a discount point, which we take. What I would do in that situation as a lender is I would say, well, this other company is charging you $4,000 origination fees. If I take $4,000 to match their, their chart and I give you that in the form of a discount point, I can lower your interest rate by X amount. So origination and discount points are the two terms that are used to Low, raise or lower rate. Laura, I'm sure you get this example a lot. Like people will say, well, what, what's my interest rate going to be? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I had a broker text me yesterday. Hey, rates are dropping, right? Like what's interest rates right now? And I said, well, there's a million scenarios that calculate an interest rate. Um, I actually did a post, I think last year uh, on my Instagram, there's actually like 32 factors that go into calculating what your interest rate is going to be. What? There's a lot of factors. So it's from, you know, the county that you live in, credit score, how long have you been in your job? Is it a co, is there a co-borrower? Um, are you getting a gift for funds? So all those things calculate into that interest rate. I had no idea. Yep. Yeah, no one size fits all for interest rates. Yeah. I usually just tell people it's between six and nine. Yeah. Right. And nine. <laughs> They're like, that's not helpful thing. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can't you can't really I mean, you don't want to get someone bad information as a lender. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if a homebuyer calls me and says, Hey, you know, if I don't have any of their information, if we don't have an application, if I don't have a credit report. And they say, hey, what's interest rates would be on a house that I wanted to buy in, you know, down by the river for, you know, 700000 Well, I, 
I can give you a ballpark, but if you want actual numbers, I need actual numbers to work on myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I just pictured Chris Farley down by the river. And- and your income and say you can buy a van maybe they wouldn't buy a van i mean i feel like that is just as expensive these days like i want to this year my my neighbor um accidentally totaled my car when it was sitting on the street and i ended up having to buy a car because my car was already paid off and like even then it went up like it was like six percent interest rate now and that felt so heavy but now like interest rates at a home what are they like up around eight percent ish? I mean, obviously there's thirty two factors that look, <laughs> but that's a that's a huge factor. And like you know, Laura from a real estate agent perspective, I'm I'm literally sitting at two point eight, and everybody's like, you should you know keep your house, um, you know get a uh, what's it called property manager and rent it out. My subdivision only allows like two years or more leases. There's no like ear, oh. so it's like to me. A lot of damage can be done in two years. I don't know that I want to be a long distance landlord, especially if I move back to Chicago or move to um, Florida. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. There's a lot of risks there. Boom. Play it. Have you ever listened to a commercial on the radio or a podcast and thought, I could totally do that? Well, I am challenging you today. Being a voiceover artist is an amazing side hustle that can be done from the comforts of your own home. Heck, it can be an amazing career. Just ask Jesse Carroll. Jesse's got over a thousand voiceover credits to his name. Ever watch Backroad Truckers? He's the narrator. He's also done a ton of commercials for brands you would definitely recognize. If you're ready to try your hand at voiceovers, go to marriottsonthemove.com and head to my favorites page to learn more about his new digital course and coaching package. If you use code MOTM, you'll get 20% off at checkout. Have you heard of Monate or Modern Nature? I hadn't either before my friend Monica was raving about their skincare products that she's obsessed with. I took their hair quiz to find out which product line would be best for me since I just happened to be looking for new shampoo and conditioner, and I signed up for their VIP package that got me a little bit of everything to try out. Turns out they are the first anti-aging hair care line in the world, which I didn't even know was a thing, and their products are gluten-free, vegan, and Leaping Bunny certified, which means they're never tested on animals. Now I'm obsessed with their rich formulations that feature botanical extracts, essential oils, and other naturally-based ingredients, and I want to share those products with you. I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can hit the faves page on my website. It's safe, EU approved, and clinically tested by third parties. So essentially, robustness approved. Now back to the show. It is hard. I mean, that's a tough position and I do empathize with you there. I mean, you're a coach, so you know this. At the end of the day, it comes back to your priorities and your goals. Could I potentially show you on paper how it would be financially beneficial to you to do that plan? Yes. I mean, I do think in the long run, even with the risk of damage, um, you probably have better chances of making money that way opposed to doing the sell and buy or the sell and rent. that being said, if it's going to cause you emotional and mental turmoil to have this property, is it worth the financial gain? So that's really, I think, your question and your scenario. Um, but if people are wondering how to work around this interest rate thing, there are lots of creative financing ways. 
Um, and I, I'll let Jeremy, you know, get into the nitty gritty of all that. But there's lots of things you can do. One of them being renting out your property. Um, some of them being pulling out like a cash equity or an equity line of credit and cash to put on a down payment or to put on discount points to get that rate down. Um, there's a few options that you can do if you're considering a sale and buy and you're going from that beautiful sub three to the <laughs> not so fun sub eight. Yeah, I don't even know how, um, I mean, I'm a child of the Dave Ramsey program, and he is very, very, very against home equity loans. Mm. I do see, like, how the benefits could be there. I mean, I know there's, I hate to say it, there's a lot of shame in his program, and I, I've taken some flack for that, but at the same time, <laughs> home equity line of credit, like, I probably have about $100,000 worth of equity in this house based on... Mm -hmm. The money that I put down, plus like we, um, when I bought this house, so I built this house, first of all. So it was a new home build. I went through the lender of the um, the building, the builder, because it was like a screaming good deal. They gave me a ton. I mean, they gave me like $5,000 of closing cost credits, which lovely. I ended up paying the most I've ever paid in closing costs. Um, oh, they tricked you with that, with that disclosure that Jeremy told you about. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't say. I don't believe it. Uh -oh. uh, but right after I, I signed on the house, because um, it took, but once I, I signed in July and then I moved on December 29th, so it'll be two years, December 29th of this year. But once I signed on it, like a month and a half, two months later, they announced that they're doing a whole like river entertainment. Um, speaking of town by the river, they're, they are, I'm off the Catawba River. And so they're doing this huge entertainment district. Um, awesome. Yeah, so that my property value went through the roof. And plus, yeah. Pandemic didn't hurt. Um, yep. You know, so I have a little bit of equity there. So, I mean, tell me, what, is that, what does that mean to pull equity out to put on a down payment? That makes, that sounds really smart. Yeah. So a home equity line of credit is a great option for people who have a locked in, you know, either 15, 25, 20, 30 year mortgage who don't want to mess with that rate. Yeah. Um, in the past, you know, during COVID, we were refinancing and doing cash out refinances all the time. Someone says, hey, I want to build a pool. I want to go pay off my, my 18, 25% credit cards, or I want to pay off a car and the lock in, hey, I can take my whole my whole home. So let's say, you know, you have a $500,000 home and you owe 300,000 on it. Well, you can go ahead, hey, let me pull out $100,000. Um, most, the, the highest you can really go on a home equity line of credit would be 80% of your home's value. Okay. So if your home's valued at 500,000, whatever your current mortgage is, you can pull the difference between that and up to 400,000. Oh, so you could go alone up about 400,000, which would leave you 20% um, equity still in the home. So you can pull it out and a cash out refinance, you would put that entire 400,000 under a new interest rate. Interesting. So the difference with a HELOC- Getting a cash, like a check in the mail from the yep. company. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I've grown up, my parents were steadfast Dave Ramsey, um, and that was so good for me, like, early on. What's that? Weren't you even a pastor? I was, yeah, yep. And so, you know, it was very, very prevalent in, our, in, you know, growing up and all that. And it was so good for me when I first started out as a young adult, getting married, getting a house. Um, it really sets you on a great path. Yeah. Um, but as far as a HELOC goes, a HELOC is a great option because we have seen such incredible skyrocketing in home equity, right? Like the home that I, that I have, I never thought it would gain the value that it did in the last five years. It's it's crazy. It's almost almost doubled. So I bought my home about eight years ago and it's almost doubled, which is mind blowing. But yeah, 
I have, if I do have other debts that I say, hey, I need to pay these things off. Yeah. Um, you always want to be, you, I mean, according to Dave Ramsey, right? You know, um, you want to get your debt gone. And the right. fast way to do that, whether it's on paper or like Laura was saying, whether it's more of an emotional debt, you're like, hey, this, this debt actually drains me more. Yeah. I think I, I want to take care of that one. So a home equity line of credit, what it does is allows you to, let's say back to our example, you have a $500,000 house. Let's say you, you only owe 300 on it. Instead of refinancing that entire current mortgage and losing that little low interest rate, mm -hmm. you're saying, let me pull out a hundred thousand. And so now I'm going to have a HELOC, which is essentially the same as a second mortgage. Yeah. So now I'm going to have my original mortgage for 300,000, which is at that you know, two point something, hopefully interest rate. But then my HELOC is going to be the other 100,000, and that might be at the 7, 8, 9%. But it allows me to have two separate loans instead of me having to lose the, the, the chunk of my mortgage on because uh, you don't want to move that up. You don't want right. that interest rate to change. Yeah, Dave Ramsey, baby step one is that $1,000 in your emergency fund, which is really low in my opinion. Well, I think he started that like 30 years ago. It hasn't changed. Right. Now. So let's convert that to today. It's like 7,000. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah $1,000 does not go far <laughs> today. It's probably not paying people's rent either. Um, but the second baby step two that Jeremy's referring to is wiping out all of your debt down to zero outside of your mortgage. So your mortgage is like baby step six. But um, but as far as like that, you know, from from a moving perspective, Laura, like when you're looking at houses, is that because is that a factor for people right now? Like, I mean, I know it's a factor, mm -hmm. but I I kind of want to just rent for a while and not have like the weight of home ownership under you know hanging over my right. oh I have a new house. Things still go wrong, you know. For sure. Yeah, let's talk about the the renting to wait. That's actually a very good question. Are people doing it? Yes. Um, so you're not alone. Is it necessarily the best financial move? Again, I don't think so. I don't think I could prove to you that you'll save money that way. But like you just said, it's going to make you feel better. That There's value in that at the end of the day, right? It can't always just be about the numbers. So um, if we're going to talk about renting and hoping to wait, a lot of people are waiting for those rates to come down. I actually have some stats here. So U.S. News did a survey of like almost 2,000 home buyers. 17% of, by the way, there's a whole bunch of home buyers coming up right now because millennials are the home buying generation right now. They're everybody aged 27 to 42, and the average first time home buyer is 33. Sorry, that was 33, 36 now. It's gone up since things have been more expensive. Um, so we're right there. The millennials are a huge home buying population. There's millions of Americans who are getting ready to buy their first home. Maybe they are ready, but they're saying, okay, 8%, 7% feels way too high. I'm going to wait until interest rates come down. So 17% of those people who are ready to buy a house are waiting for rates to drop below six and a half. Okay. Another 28%. So together, a whopping 45% of people are waiting for it to come down below six. And then you add another 30% to make 75% of ready home buyers are waiting for it to come below five and a half. So you're looking at a Huge majority of the population, millions of people are sitting on the sidelines waiting to purchase when those rates come down. So if we see them come down below six and a half, what's going to happen? Prices are going to shoot back up because inventory is still low. It has been improving, um, but it's still low. And then below that six, it's going to shoot up even more. If we got below five and a half, I mean, we would be seeing this exact same problems we saw um, when the COVID boom happened, we'd ha be having people paying over appraisal. We'd be having multiple offers. We'd be having those record high prices. 
and the rates wouldn't be even as low as they were before. So it would be even more expensive. But it's not, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, right? Like if we're looking at the national debt and like the feds and all of that, that you hear about on the news, like it doesn't seem like it's going to go down anytime soon. It seems like it'll stabilize a little, but not, not under 5%. I mean, yeah. What are you hearing, Jeremy? Yeah, I, you know, we talk about people who are locked in at a 2%, 3%. I, I talked to a lady the other day. She was actually in the ones on her home mortgage. Oh my gosh. E, I think. Um, we will, we're never going to see that in our lifetime again. I, I, I would put money on that because it's just not going to happen. You know, they, they can't afford it. The Fed can't afford it. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they can't afford it. You think about how much money, if you could just wrap your brain around this, how much money is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac losing on all those mortgages that now they are, they've lended millions, if not billions of dollars at sub 3% rates. So every one of those mortgages that as long as people are holding on to those mortgages, they are losing money every day because of what they could be making with that money out there in someone else's pocket at a seven, eight, nine percent rate. Wow. And um, I, I was listening to something the other day. Uh, if you're a homeowner out there and you have a mortgage, they said, don't um, don't be surprised if you almost get in the next maybe three years. Um, and this, I don't want to put false hopes in anyone's mind, but lenders being able to come to you and say, hey, listen, we're going to offer to forgive a portion of your, of your home. Like if, you know, Mary, you know, you have a rate of you know, this money that you have at two point something percent. Yep. If that letter can say, hey, listen, we just need to get out of this. We want to go ahead and just forgive us, move it on so we can take that money and move it somewhere else, get this off of our books because you as a 2% home buyer are clogging up our system because they only have so many loans to go around. Right. And so they need to get that money and move it on. I bought my mortgage and I would just get to keep the house. There's, there's talks that they would come in and he'd try to settle in some way. Yeah. There, I mean, I think that we are going to see really interesting things start happening um, in, in that realm of it because, um, because of the shit that we've gone from that, that 2% in like only three years, right? Like I look at, yeah. no, I was looking at numbers too, from, you know, from 2020, you know, you were, you know, you're in the one, two, even three was three was high in 2020, yeah. right? You're like, I have to, I, I'm not, it's 3%. I'm not buying but that's too high. It was making right. me nervous because I kept seeing it go up and up. And I was like, I got to buy. And I had, I was sitting on the money from the house that I had just sold because when I relocated for work, I mean, I, I sold my house and I think I got three offers in 12 hours and I accepted one. So like, it wasn't even 24 hours, but I was like, I had the money in the bank. I was ready to buy a home. And my cousin, Timothy was my real estate agent here in Charlotte. And we, we probably look, I mean, I love him so much for how patient he was because he probably showed me you guys 35 houses. I'm mm -hmm. not even kidding. And, every and that was not abnormal then. No. And by the time we walked out of some of these houses, they were already sold. I mean, like mm -hmm. three minute walkthrough. And like he would call me in the morning and be like, oh my gosh, we have to get to this house right now. And by the time we, <laughs> there were cars everywhere waiting. Right. House. I was like, oh my gosh. And then, of course, like, you know, photographers are very creative and they make houses look amazing. And we walk in and we'd be like, wait, where's the rest of this? Like, what? <laughs> and like, oh, okay, so true. Yeah. yeah. So back to your question, Marietta, essentially, if you wait for those rates to come down, you're looking, it's looking, the numbers are looking like it's going to be that kind of scenario again. Maybe not as intense. Who knows? No one can see the future. But yeah. when people ask me that question, I say, if renting makes sense for your goals and the things you want to do, like maybe you don't want to feel tied to that place for the first year. 
then that makes sense, right? You don't really need to consider the numbers. But if your goal is to continue to move that financial growth that you're using your home as an asset to back, if you want to keep moving that up and growing that pool, I do think you need to keep trading. Whenever you step into the rental market, even if it's temporary, you're going to lose a cash that just goes from your equity that you had into your renter's pocket or landlord's pocket, sorry. Um, so you lose that, but then you also lose the gains that happen over that year or that two years that you don't own real estate. So the financial answer is, you know, try and keep buying, but the answer for you might be different. Yeah. I was going to say like it, it, we often think about it in like one year rentals and with the advent of like Airbnb and like mm -hmm. different VRBO and facts. Later today, I'm having a conversation with somebody that's doing rental arbitration. So he works in the baseball. He's a um, he owns a baseball training facility for, you know, professional baseball um, teams. And like so he he'll have people come in. So he'll do a three year rental um, and lock it in with that. Um, nice. Landlord, and then he rent, he'll rent it out for like six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. You know, if a player is coming in with his family and needs to have. Right. So there's all kinds of options. And, you know, uh, for me, like even finding a place that is, you know, a six month option or, you know, and it's already furnished and things like that. I mean, things like that are a lot more common than people think, but we don't think about mm -hmm. it. We think about it in one year rentals, you know, like we're signing leases. Whereas right. Now we have the option of short term rentals or even like renting a room from someone. So Very true. I, I totally see where you're at for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And those can definitely be very good options. Um, and like you said, it's becoming so popular now. A lot of cities have been cracking down on short term rentals, um, which is I mean, I get it from the perspective of the investors who own like 30 properties and they're just like tying up all the real estate. But yeah, that, that can be complicated for people like you, for people who move for work or for the military who really just need those short term options. Uh, that's an interesting trend we're seeing, too. Because yeah, don't they have like um, permits? Like I know Newport Beach is where Kevin, the guy that I'm interviewing, he lives. And I think he said there's only like 1,500 rental permits for the whole city or something like that. Wow. That's, you know, yeah. in order to get into that area, he had to do rental arbitration. Um, wow. Yeah. So I do want to pivot, though, because there are some really interesting things happening with the National Association of Realtors. And, um, you know, if you get on Laura's Instagram, she's got a two part um segment where she talks about kind of the changes and what it means to us but I would really like to kind of talk through because I know like if you look at traditionally and historically you have a buyer's agent and a seller's agent and they don't they're not the same person usually and if you do have right. the same person there are some things that you know you have to be concerned about or or worry about so like let's talk about that what does that mean like between the two right yeah good question so let's start with Dual agency is the term you're referring to when one agent represents both par both parties. So buyer and seller are each using one agent. The way dual agency is defined is that this agent represents both people's interests equally, which honestly, if you ask me, I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> I don't understand how you can talk to the seller and say, hey, you want to get $50,000 more and then go back to the buyer and say they want $50,000 more, but this is what you want. There's just no way to really do it ethically, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I mean, it's, I think it would be naive of us to assume that humans are capable of doing that fairly. Um, but it's not just my opinion. There are multiple states across the U.S. that have made dual agency illegal. And I think that's definitely probably a good thing. Um, many states still allow it. 
Um, and that's what we're probably going to see a lot more of if these changes that you're referring to with the lawsuit move forward. The lawsuit itself is very complex, and there's a lot of different um, viewpoints to consider. But essentially, the ruling that just happened, if I could sum it up, is that a jury decided that it's true that the National Association of Realtors, along with a handful of other large brokerages, have been conspiring to inflate commissions to consumers by offering a co-op fee. So the way our system has been working is that a seller will go to sell their house. They will hire a listing agent. The listing agent will say, this is my commission. They will, it's, I mean, it's always negotiable. That's written in all the contracts. This commission is negotiable. Um, the seller and the listing agent will agree on that commission. And then the listing agent will split that sometimes 50-50, sometimes in different ways with the buyer's agent. Um, and try to negotiate and nobody has ever negotiated i mean like even like even like i'll be like um, even family <laughs> he's like no so. yeah yeah absolutely and you know there's a lot that's a whole other conversation that i'd love to get into there's a lot of agents out there who will like this is their argument i think it's not necessarily wrong but it's funny they're like um look if you're able to talk me down on my commission how can you expect me to negotiate the best price for your house <laughs> I am so excited to introduce you to the Silk and Sonder Monthly Planner. As a culture, we're more stressed, anxious, and burned out than ever. Without proactive practices in place to combat the stress of modern life, we're falling short of achieving that deeper fulfillment we crave. At Silk and Sonder, we meet you where you are, uncover where you want to go, and help you define a path that aligns with your values and goals. I am proud to be one of their ambassadors because I've tried several monthly, quarterly, and annual planners, and I needed so much more since I'm a multi-passionate person that travels almost weekly. I love that a new theme self-care journal is delivered to my doorstep every single month. It's filled with science-backed prompts and coaching exercises, trackers, and planning pages. Plus, there's an exclusive app with audio affirmations and community events. To join our community, go to marriottsonthemove.com and check out my faves page to learn more. Have you heard of Monate or Modern Nature? I had neither before my friend Monica was raving about their skincare products that she's obsessed with. I took their hair quiz to find out which product line would be best for me since I just happened to be looking for new shampoo and conditioner, and I signed up for their VIP package that got me a little bit of everything to try out. Turns out they are the first anti-aging hair care line in the world, which I didn't even know was a thing. And their products are gluten-free, vegan, and Leaping Bunny certified, which means they're never tested on animals. Now I'm obsessed with their rich formulations that feature botanical extracts, essential oils, and other naturally based ingredients, and I want to share those products with you. I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can hit the faves page on my website. It's safe, EU approved, and clinically tested by third parties. So essentially, robustness approved. Now back to the show. Best price for your house. <laughs> and they're basically saying like, I need to win this negotiation to prove to you that I'm going to win the other one, <laughs> which is, I'm, it's not necessarily wrong, but it is silly. Um, anyways, that's a little tangent, but yeah. So the commission is usually split between the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Um, and that is what this verdict is trying to do away with. Now, the national associations has said they are going to appeal. So this could be an ongoing thing for a few years. However, at the end of the day, if MLS boards are afraid of this lawsuit, because by the way, they, the plaintiffs won $1.78 billion. Um, if MLSs are afraid of the same thing happening to them, they are likely to conform even before an actual 
law or changes put in place. So a lot of people are saying, don't worry about it. There's an appeal. It's going to take a while. That could be true. Some people are saying they're already seeing MLSs offering $0 to buyer's agents. We're going to have to wait and see. What's an MLS? Uh, so different regions all over statewide, but then also countywide um, have these boards, MLS boards, and they essentially are the ones who have all the agents in their system. That's where they upload their listings and then the listings shoot out to all the other search sites on the internet. That's their main purpose. They do a lot of other stuff too, but that's really what matters to the consumer. Yeah, I think a lot of the consumers will know like <clears throat> .com, Zillow, those, but when you sign up with a real estate agent, they have a separate um, kind of yeah. website you can go to to search for homes that they can put parameters in place. Like I know for me, when I was like searching for this here, I wanted to be in a certain range of certain things. But to me, like schools didn't really matter because I don't have children. I wanted, you know, certain tax tax brackets, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially the MLS is just the original source. So it is what sends it out to all the other home search sites. If you're looking on Zillow, you're seeing the MLS listing, um, but Zillow's app doesn't necessarily pull the, all the data. Like random tangent, which you know, I love my tangents. Um, when you go into the rate, now that I like have this thought about 32 different like factors of a, a loan, when you go on to the Zillows and the realtor.coms, you can calculate your, your like what the mortgage rate would or not rate, but what your mortgage payment would be. How do they figure that out? That is it just like a general, yeah. The the one of the greatest joys, I'm sure Laura would tell you the same thing is when someone calls you and says, I saw on Zillow. Right? <laughs> Whether it's home value, uh, we all know we all know the jokes about the home values on Zillow. Um, I even laugh sometimes when I look at my home on my Zillow estimate and I'm like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so you know when when Zillow's trying to do that, you know they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to, in in my understanding, you know, they, they want to entice people to make a move, right? They're like, oh, this is great. Well, you know, there's a lot of times that I've seen online the quotes. They number one, they have no idea how to calculate taxes or insurance for that property. So the taxes and insurance are actually a, a fairly large percentage, more, higher than you probably would think of, of what your mortgage payment is going to be. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, I think I'm going to buy a $400,000 house. Here's my mortgage payment. But wait, taxes and insurance are going to be hundreds of dollars yeah. extra. Yep. And so a lot of times it misses that. But I think Zillow mainly probably tries to take a very, probably the below average um, interest rate of what the, the average person would be seen on there. I don't think they're not putting the lowest one on there. Um, but they're probably trying to play to you know, the audience in the field the best that they can. Yeah. Again, if you're on Zillow looking at houses, Zillow wants you to buy that house because that creates mm -hmm. traction, it creates ad revenue, it creates yeah. just buzz in the business. So they want to. They're also a. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead, Laura. I, I was going to say they're also a, a, a lead platform. So their job, they get paid to send people to Jeremy and to send people to me, not us specifically. Because I don't use Zillow. I don't know if you do. But essentially they are, that's how they make their money is from agents and lenders. So um, they need you to click the button that says, show me this house, because then they're going to send your info to the agent, or they need you to click the button that says, qualify me for this mortgage, because then they're going to send your info to the lender, multiple lenders, multiple agents at once, usually. Um, yeah, they're, they are a lead platform disguised as a home search site, which is good because it's a valuable app, right? Consumers need a place to look at homes. Um, but I do think it's important consumers know what's happening when they click those buttons. That they're not there to show you the house. They're there to connect you with the agent. I was going to say, it has become like a verb. Like, have you Zillowed that? Like, yeah. It's true. Like, I have looked at my own home. But for me, it was hard because I, um, I built the house. So, like, the taxes, 
I didn't know what the taxes were going to be. I had like a kind of general idea of what they'd be based on what others were in the area. But going from Chicago, like I was living in Cook County in Chicago, my taxes were something like nine or $10,000 per year, which was low. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, so I think theirs was like 22,000 because they lived in Naperville. But, and, but you pay that in your mortgage, like in your mortgage payment every month. So like for me, it was like an extra eight or eight or $900 a month, just mm. losing taxes. So even if I paid off my house completely, I was still paying eight or $900 a month for my taxes, unless I paid it all at once. As well. I don't get how people live like that. <laughs> it is really yeah. But here, I think my taxes are like $2,600 a year and in North Carolina, right. so it was a much better deal. Yeah. <laughs> It would be very hard to go the other way to go from like the southeast and go up north. Ooh, that would hurt. That's why I'm considering renting if I go to Chicago. Oh, well, worth considering. Yeah, well, but so going back to, I know I went off in a tangent, which I do often and I apologize all the time for it, but like going back to the, the buyer's agent versus the selling agent or like even just what's going on with the NAR, like what are the risks? Like what is that going to do to the real estate market, like the landscape, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if we have an answer yet. There's a lot of speculation. I mean, the um, big brokerage and Zillow and Redfin and Realtor.com, all of their stock prices have plummeted after the ruling. Um, so there's definitely going to be a big shift in things on the industry side. But for consumers, um, they are definitely going to have to watch and see what ends up happening. Ideally, people who want to buy their first home would love to not have to pay their agent, right? They already have to save their down payment. They don't have any equity to pull from. They're starting from nothing. So to add another six to 10,000, depending on the home price fee um, out of pocket, you know, that can definitely be a huge challenge for those first time buyers and low income buyers who are relying on that FHA loan or the USDA loan to get that down payment lower. This essentially can just set them back a handful of years. So that's going to be. That's the impact. So like we end up as a, as a buyer. End up yes. So as of now, the ruling is that buyers co-op commissions are the reason for inflated commissions. That's their, that was the plaintiff's opinion. That's what their attorneys argued. And that's what the jury ruled. It's being appealed. However, if, like I said, MLS boards are afraid of having the same kind of lawsuit and losing since this set a precedent, they might play the safe route, which would mean that sellers don't have to offer a buyer co-op fee. Can I still choose to? Yes. I think it will take years for the mindset of sellers to change. There's going to be a handful that are like, oh, the lawsuit happened, 0% to buyers. But I do think um, people are going to realize that that does the sellers a disservice too, because at the end of the day, a, a buyer's agent can't work for free. So if it was me and I was showing a buyer and they were in love with a home that a seller was saying, we're not paying your agent, I'd have to say to them, you know, I can show you this home, we can write an offer. Um, but they're not paying a co-op fee. So if you want me to represent you on this transaction, that's going to have to come out of your pocket at closing. Well, actually, we don't even know if it's going to be at closing because there's questions there with some loans as well, if they can even do that. So can you, like, there's your mortgage loan payment or no? Good question. That'll be interesting to see if that becomes mm -hmm. there's nothing because like Laura's saying, the people selling their home. You know, my understanding the reason that they pay both commissions is because they have the ones with the equity. They have the ones that, that the means to do that. I mean, you look at, you know, people buying houses right now. Um, I would say at least probably half of the applications that we are seeing on a day in day out basis have, you, you could pretty much cut in half the amount of people looking at my home that they would no longer qualify if they had to pay the upfront buyer's commission. No. You know, if it's, if they're paying, you know, what Laura, they two to 3%, right? 3% average normal. Yeah. You know, somewhere between two and three. 
Yeah, so if they're buying even a $300,000 house that's $9,000, most of these home buyers do not have an extra $9,000 to pay an agent. You know, so yeah. And what happens to home prices when the demand cuts in half? Yes. So the irony is, is that, I mean, NAR argued that this doesn't actually help home sellers. Um, that wasn't the perception of the jury. So it's it's going to play out in a very interesting way. I think first-time home buyers and low-income buyers, VA buyers, because they are specifically prohibited from paying any commissions, are going to be the most affected in this change. Yeah, because yeah, you get a couple people on that jury who own houses and have ha ever had to pay any of those fees. They're like, well, this sucked when I did it, you know, like, mm -hmm. so, oh, that is a mess. Well, so what it is a mess. I mean, I think things are changing so often and it's hard to keep up. And I, I think this fear, I mean, certainly something that I've considered and gone back and forth and back and forth on, but like looking forward, like what does that look like for 2024? I mean, as of this recording, we're at the beginning of November. This is probably going to air closer to um, the new year because I obviously, you know, I want to talk about 2024 and what that looks like. But you know, if you are giving advice, both of you, to somebody that you're talking to, like, what advice are you, what advice are you giving right now? Um, you want to go first, Laura? You take it. Okay. So the big thing right now is interest rates, right? That's, I mean, home prices too are way up, but no one's expecting home prices to drop anytime soon, right? Like they're here, they're not going back. If you look at the history of, of, of America, the world, the last hundred years, Home prices have never gone down over a, a two-year basis. Yes, there's drops here, there, and you might buy a house at its peak, and it might drop in value, maybe you know five, ten percent for the, for a year, but it's going to come right back. And it's going to continue gaining value, gaining equity. So, as Laura said earlier, buying a home really is one of the best financial decisions you can make for the long term, right? Um, I remember when we moved, when we relocated to South Carolina from Pennsylvania, you know, we rented for six months. We found a, a place that rent for us for six months, and we said we need to find a house within that six months because we don't want to rent longer than six months, but right. we also didn't want to buy a house from across the country where we didn't know, Hey, which school do we really want our kids to be at? What area of town do we want to be at? Which parks do we want to be close to? So we said, well, let's city POC. That's what I call <laughs> that proof of concept, right? You got to figure yep. out where you want to actually live before you buy. You try before yep. you buy. Yep. So I think, you know, people who are looking to make a move, if, if you move somewhere you don't want to, not, you've never been before. Yeah. Renting for a short term is great, but you want to get back into the housing ownership market for yourself financial in your financial future. Yeah. So when I tell people who are talking about interest rates, um, I kind of put us there, this is that, if I was gonna sell you a lottery ticket today, right? Well, if you're like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna win. I don't know if I wanna play. But if I told you, after the lottery is revealed for $3,000, I can let you change your number to anything you want it to be. Is it worth it? And that's the same way with interest rates. People who are on the fence about this interest rate, interest rate thing, that interest rates, let's say they're seven and a half right now, if you buy now and they go to nine, well, how do you feel? You feel great. You feel like I, I just won the lottery because I bought before they went up again. So I feel. If if you buy <laughs> now at seven and a half percent and they drop to five and a half, you refinance and you win again. Yeah. You know, refinancing. I, I don't know if people have a misconception about refinancing. It's not complicated. It's not not hard. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, a lot of lenders, especially you know us, are here moving right now. We do, we're doing no cost refinances in 2024 if you purchase before the end of the year. And so, yes, there'll be maybe a couple hundred dollars, maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars, because you still pay the attorneys to redo the title work and recheck it. But 
Um, when I refinanced my house, I saved 2% on my interest rate and I refinanced it. Um, it cost, I think maybe $3,000, but I made that $3,000 in about six months because my interest rate dropped. So I reclaimed the money. I didn't pay anything out of pocket. I just rolled it back into my loan, got a better interest rate. So it's a, it's really is a win-win. If, if you were a place, I tell people this, that if you want to buy, interest rates should be the last thing stopping you. Because if it goes up, you'll be so thankful that you bought it. If it goes down, you refinance, you get a lower interest rate. It, it's a, it literally is a win-win. The only reason I would tell people not to buy now is if you're not sure you want to, if you're not sure where you want to buy or you're potentially making a move soon, that's the reason to stay as in the financial world, stay liquid, right? Stay, stay flexible so you can make a move. But if, you know, there's so many families who are like, hey, I, yeah, I see myself here for the next three to five years. I think I might just rank because I'm not sure. Yeah. Three to five years from now, when you don't sell that house and make $100,000 in equity, you're going to be really sad that you're leaving a rental location and you're just going to get maybe a security deposit back. Maybe if you sell prior to that two year mark, you could potentially pay capital gains if your, you know, market, if your equity goes up that much. But I will say, though, it, it is one thing a, a girlfriend of mine and I, we had a whole conversation yesterday um, that a lot of people are not, like when interest rates are that low. I felt like in the last couple of years, I saw a lot of people buy houses that were not within their means. Right. Like. You, you're like, oh, well, it's 2%. I can buy a $500,000 house because I'm only paying 2% on this. When really, you should probably have been buying a $300,000 house just to stay within your like spending means, right? And I think that that was, the higher the interest rates go, I think that's really giving people pause to think like, should I be spending? It's like, it's one thing, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Like looking sure. at people's income in, I, I know when I was looking, uh, the mortgage lender through the builder that I worked with, um, he, I mean, he looked at my income cause I had a really good year that year. I'm in sales. My, my, you know, income comes up and down and up and down every year. That's just how it rolls. And what he was trying to approve me for, I was like, no, 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 time out. Like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, that's a lot of pressure right there. Cause that, that number is going to go to my real estate agent and he's going to be like, Hey, look what we are. What, what, what <laughs> your brother, right. Or was it your cousin? <laughs> I was like what my comfort level is and if I were to you know based on what I had in savings and based on what I know my day-to-day -day is on my base that to me was just scary and I know people that have done it I mean if we look at the you know the Silicon Valley you know bottom dropping out back in the 2008-2009 I remember specifically you guys having a conversation I was working in I lived in San Francisco I was working in Silicon Valley I was um, at the front desk talking to somebody who worked at a very, very large um, tech firm that you probably use multiple times on a daily basis. And she was telling me that her and her husband just bought a brand new house. And, you know, I was like, oh, let me see. She pulls up the listing and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, it was like a $1.5 million home. And I knew from conversations that her husband was a teacher and she was a receptionist. <laughs> like thinking like okay maybe they have stock or maybe they have trust funds or maybe and i remember thinking like wow like that is insane and i started feeling like should i i mean i know i probably make more than them should i be looking at a 1.5 mm. i don't know that's crazy but yeah never make decisions based on what other people are doing for sure like you cannot compare yourself but that but that's the thing is is like we look at this from a within your means but what are your means like if you actually like sales reps like if you don't have if you have a base 
like I always think like, what if you don't get a couple months of commissions? Like what if somebody does a large return? Then, you know, like you're living off your base unless you have a ton of money in savings. It's not smart to have that portion of your income be sucked up by your mortgage or your rent, you know? Yeah, that's hard. I mean, 1099 contractors are a whole different ball game when it comes to home loans. We could probably do another episode on that. <laughs> I bet, I bet. <clears throat> so Laura, what's your perspective on 2024? What do you think you're going to be seeing? Oh boy, 2024. I was doing a bit of reading up on this this morning and it, it all said the exact same thing I expected to say. Nobody knows, but most economists expect prices to stay high. I mean, just the general advice. It just doesn't make sense. As long as there are as many people as there are looking for homes and as few homes as we have on the market, there's no way for that home value to drop. And then you add in the fact that so many Americans have like almost half, if not more, of their home's value in equity because of the way the prices have gone up um, and the way their rates have gone down. So, I mean, you add those things together. Americans have cash in the bank, cash in their home. There's not enough homes and there's a lot of demand. I mean, none of those things equal prices coming down. Could something insane happen and there could be some weird anomaly? Yeah, like that's always an option. Um, I never make life decisions based off of random crazy, fearful events. And that's not just money. I mean, I same thing with, you know, I get on an airplane. Could it crash? Yes. <laughs> um, so that's just my own philosophy of life. It keeps me moving forward. Um, but yeah, we don't know. But a lot of people do think prices will stay high. I think, Jeremy, you've already said that rates are expected to continue to stabilize, but not plummet. Um, so people can kind of expect 2024 to look very similar to this year. Yeah, and I tell people too. You know, if, if you talk with a lender, if you're worried about the interest rate, if you literally, if it's if it's people who are worried about the interest rate, that is a numbers fear, right? I fear or I feel I'm paying too much. If you literally just go put it on paper, what the interest rate costs you, like the difference between a six percent and eight percent, if you did the numbers and you look at that, and then you did a financial breakdown of what your rent cost you, the numbers would they would scare you out of renting. <laughs> Because it's, it's frightening True. when you look, what am I paying the interest effect of renting yeah. versus that 2% difference between like, oh, it's at 8%. Once it drops to six, then I'll buy. Yeah. The money that you're losing in that time period, it, it's it's a massive amount that people don't think about that. They just think that 2%, I need to wait for 2%. But they're losing a lot more financially on paper renting. Yeah, I refer, I mean, I know you probably have a... Um... I've seen it in an Excel spreadsheet where you can kind of calculate out the interest like that you will end up paying long term down the road. Like I remember looking at my mortgage uh, for my house in Orland Park. And if I just paid the actual mortgage payment and nothing over it, um, I think I was going to pay like $150,000 in interest payments down, you know, over the course of 30 years. So there's so many things to think about. Um I, I love the idea of like having a conversation and really putting some time into this because a lot of people make spontaneous decisions, but mm -hmm. if somebody wants to have that conversation, how can they find you? Uh, my website, movewithjeremy.com. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, great way to reach out to me. But my website, movewithjeremy.com, you can reach me there. Uh, my, my personal cell phone's on there. I do all my business. I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm on this thing. Laura, if you've ever been around me, 
I probably stepped out of multiple closings, but okay, I got to take this. Got you know. I can fetch that. I actually one time was at a. We both have kids around the same age, and I was at this place called Playland, indoor play park, and Jeremy was there working. I don't think we even like said hi that day because you were so busy. You were like back there on your computer and on your phone. I was like, oh, he's working today. <laughs> yeah, my kids were having a blast in the playpen, and I was trying to close a deal. So you made it happen. I don't think they let, let adults on that one. So right, move with Jeremy on Instagram too, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Laura makes moves dot com is your website, Laura. Uh, yep. Instagram at Laura makes moves, please um, reach out to me there. Shoot me a DM. I love doing what we're doing right now. Having this conversation. I think people think when they talk to professionals in the industry, they're going to get like, I don't know, some generic answer. And it's like, do this or get lost. But this is what good professionals in the industry do. This is why I started my business was to help people talk to people like Jeremy um, and to other real estate agents across the country that do this. Like we're consultants before we get you alone. We help you make decisions. We help you think through all the options. At least the good ones do. Um, so if you've ever felt like someone didn't do that, then you weren't with the right professional and they're not all like that. I promise. Just reach out, shoot us a question. We're here to chat. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're like helping new relocators, like handhold them through and vet out new real estate agents and all that. So both of them do amazing reels. They're so educational. I think you both have the heart of a teacher and the heart of a servant. And I love everything you guys are doing. So that was my pleasure to have you guys on the show. I so appreciate it. I'm sure it won't be the last time. We might have to do this a couple times next year because I'm sure things are going to change every single quarter. But thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I just, I love the conversation. Pleasure, Mary. Thanks so much, Laura. Always a pleasure. You bet. See ya. Well, I could go on forever and ever about moving you closer to your dreams, but I probably should save some thoughts for the next episode. A big thanks goes out to you for making time for me today. In making time for me, you're making time for future you, and we're both grateful. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe to the podcast, download the episodes, and leave me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. In return, if you go to my website, marriottsonthemove.com, and register for the Monday Mailer, I'll send you a free Fred workbook to get your journey started. This is also where you can find all the show notes and all the ways to get in touch with me. A special thanks goes out to Rogue Media for its wisdom and partnership. Until next time, friends, keep moving forward towards your dreams. Oh, and the legal stuff. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I am a certified coach, not a licensed therapist, and this is not meant to replace the professional advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professionals. This is solely my perspective based on my own experience and training. Okay, now it's over. For reals. Bye for now. Bye.